This is Sensei America. This is the Superior Living Sensei Podcast. I'm recording on the bed of nails. I'm lying down on an acupuncture, one of those beds. You've probably seen them. They've got all these like plastic little sharp little nails on them and you kind of lie, lie on your back and that's what I'm doing right now. And so we're just going to try to try to do this podcast from this position lying down. We'll see what happens. You know, maybe we won't save it. We'll see. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to drop before the weekend. And, you know, the destroyer was right. He said, hey, look, you know, try to try to knock a couple out. And he's right. It's like, you don't just take the weekend off just because it's the weekend. I mean, sometimes that's good. I, I, I have made a very um, intense and disciplined practice of putting the phone down uh, recently, and it's been very powerful. So, you know, while honoring that, you can still drop a podcast. The epiphany I had this morning, woke up at 3.30. Uh, the previous two nights, I had slept nine hours, nine hours back to back. And I, I hadn't done that. I don't even remember the last time I did that. That was a huge milestone for me. That has to do with uh, nutrition and pinpoint nutrition, meaning I took cheese and only went with high quality meat. I took cheese out and only went with high quality meats for the past week. And I was rewarded with two back to back nine hours of sleep sleeps. Uh, but last night I woke up at three 30 and I was a little agitated and the epiphany I had as I kind of lied in bed and couldn't fall back asleep. And then later that morning was that my nutrition was slightly off. So what I had done in the last couple of days, I had made bone broth and like I mentioned last podcast, like I was getting enough fat because I was eating high quality ribeyes again. And then with the added bone broth, it was just too much fat. Um, and so I had to go to the bathroom. And so when, when you're putting something in your body, this is me, this is me, okay? So this is my diagnosis uh, after being carnivore now almost two years. My diagnosis is, that that three thirty wake up that I you know attributed to to many things like childhood trauma and stuff like that. It's actually a lot of that is a nutrition based thing. So here's what here's what my hypothesis is: is that your body wants to get rid of something, and so when it wakes you at three thirty at night at the like kind of in the middle at the end of your sleep cycle um because we usually go through a couple of sleep cycles a night maybe on on a good night you go through three of them uh on most nights you might go through two it's your body wants your metabolism is speeding up because there's something in your body that your body wants out and so when your metabolism um speeds up it's it's almost like all these all these things happen in the body that make it very difficult to sleep, very difficult for you to calm down and go back to sleep. So you'll lie there and you'll know that your body's tired and you'll know that you want to sleep more, but your mind will be going because uh, your metabolism is going. It's all from the belly. It's all nutrition. And then what happens is because you haven't slept very well, uh, your, your mood, you're just not in a very... You're not in an optimal mood. 
And so that's what happened today. Uh, today ended amazingly. It was one of the best days yet, but it didn't start very good. But because it didn't start very good, I got the epiphany. And that epiphany is that it's still all nutrition-based. <laughs> like, if I could go back in time for the last three months, which were very difficult, if I had adjusted my – and I actually did. I did it intuitively. Like, every two second or third day, I would go to this very expensive – not very expensive, like, not expensive relative to Los Angeles, but – uh, just expensive in general relative to how I was budgeting my food, I would go to a steakhouse because I would have like a really pa- great pasture-raised, high-quality steak, and I would feel better. And like uh, for some reason, I just didn't quantify that at the time, like that like that would have been important maybe to just maybe just go to that steakhouse every day for a week, right? Like that's okay. You can do that. But I wasn't doing that because I was – I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I was trying to – be economical, and uh, it's not worth it. I mean, if you have the money, which I did, then just go to and eat the eat the high level, the highest quality stuff you can get, because it made an, an already challenging time. I think even even more challenging. So uh, I, the epiphany was simply that this carnivore way of eating it it's such a game changer. But it's like constant. You really have to have a meditation practice. Everything requires meditation because you might, and I was just talking to Bay, and that's why today was great. I was just talking to Bay really for, I haven't talked to Bay that often, but we had a really nice talk uh, this evening. Uh, you know, I'd seen her a couple of weeks ago. That was really nice. And so things are great. Like things are really uh, wonderful for, for us both. I have a lot of hope in that regard. Um, and it also was an indicator to me that I had changed. Um, my behavior had changed. And uh, this is part of the new model going forward is that we change our behavior before we actually feel the change in our body. But that's the key part. So as whatever feelings are arise, we have to change our behavior in that moment. And if we can, and we can do that consistently – then that feeling will become less so. And as that feeling becomes less so, then we actually change. So the behavior has to change before we do. Fascinating stuff. So here I am on this bed of nails. I had the epiphany this morning that it's still all nutrition. And I kind of, I pushed away from that a little bit over these last few months because yes, there are other things that happen. Life happens. Um, But to really be able to navigate. Like, first of all, if I wasn't on carnivore way of eating, I don't know how I would have navigated it. Like if I was drinking alcohol and like eating all kinds of sugar and carbs to cope, like it would have, I don't think I would have, I don't know. It would have been tough. I wouldn't have been out of the, the, the woods. And I feel like I'm, I'm kind of out of the woods at this point. I, I, I can't imagine going through it without being a carnivore. Now, Here's the thing that's that's tricky is like you have to you have to constantly be adjusting. So here I am, I'm I'm closing in on two years and I just thought, okay, I have the whole thing locked down. I can eat cheese, cheese is good. I you know, I don't the quality of the meat doesn't matter. But it did. And and it you know, it tricked me for a while. 
I, I, it took me long. In other words, it took me longer than I, than, than it should have for me to make that adjustment for me to, to realize, and, you know, part of it was traveling. So it is a little bit more difficult, but to realize, Oh, what, wait on a, wait a second here. You know, there's most of the strict carnivores, the, 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 the ones that we know of and are, and are famous, they don't eat cheese. You know, cheese is like a, like a treat. Maybe they might have on a flying Dutchman like every two weeks. And so uh, I just, I was blind to that, you know, blind to a lot of things, but blind to that. And so um, you've got to constantly be assessing your way of eating, even if you're strict. The good news is, is that most of you have have been doing this for, maybe you're pushing a year, maybe you're, you're almost at one year. It's really doesn't matter yet. Right. So it, it, it just, it's like, it's this thing, like everything else, like eating carbs for most young people doesn't matter yet. Right. It's cumulative. And I think over time, as you get more, as your, as your gut biome heals and you are, and your body starts functioning at the highest level that it's ever functioned, you become really sensitive to, to things and your body will say, hey, look, thank you so much for optimizing me for the last two years, but here's what else you can do. And the end game, right, the end game for all, for most carnivores is that um, they spend uh, the majority of their week. So let's just say, it, but it, it's, like, it's like Monday through Friday, and they just have steak, <laughs> high-quality ribeye, and maybe some organ meats, and... You know, maybe a little bit of eggs and that's it. Like no dairy, no cheese. They can have butter. But even eggs maybe they save for the weekend. And then on the weekend, you know, and then on the weekend, they might even add like even more stuff. They might even add some carbohydrates. They might even add a glass of wine. I would not recommend wine. But uh, my buddy who has been doing this way of eating uh, for, you know, maybe several months now and has had great results. He's younger though. He's uh, 33. He had some wine the other night, and he said it was no problem. So you got to just run the experiment for yourself. Um, you know, I would, but I would be very cautious with the wine, just from my personal experience and from the destroyer's personal experience, and from a lot of other long-term carnivores. The, that will that will blow you out. And you know what what will happen is you'll just see how bad some of this stuff is, and that's actually a great lesson. You know, we can't say that enough, that the, the coming off of it to try certain things that in the past you had loved, it's, it's actually very important to do that. It's very important to, to say, hey, you know what? I've been great. I'm going to do a cheat day like Joe Rogan basically did. And then say, oh, all my aches and pains have come back. You know, this is just not worth it. Um, that's part of the process. So stick with it, but keep refining it, keep refining it. And just know that in all probability, if you stick with this thing, which you will, because you feel amazing, that you're going to end up at some point, even if it's only for a week or two, just to recalibrate on just steak and water and salt and feel absolutely amazing like we do right now. So that's all we're, we're going to do for, for right now. Um, we definitely want to get into our notes, but we're lying here on the bed of nails. Maybe we'll just get up and do that right now. Yeah, we're going to get up and look at our notes, and then we're going to go over a little bit more of the 
the uncomfortable truth just so we can you know complete that book you know within so we don't what we don't know controls us so that's the um kind of like that's the quote of the book uh and it's just exactly what will happen to pretty much everybody in their intimate relationship and, and you know just talking to bay uh an hour or so ago and, you know we just we admitted it it was like we met and it was wounded child meet wounded child and you know we met within a spiritual community we actually met on a retreat and in thailand so you think you know you you'd think and then i'm a teacher so you'd think that we'd have that all worked out and neither one of us did and no one does and that's just the the, the truth and you, you just look around you look around at relationships even relationships you think that that work you see oh i see if you actually take a look at it from from this kind of objective place is it it's like an inner child meeting another inner child and looping on and looping on that program and just deciding that they're going to keep looping together rather than end the relationship so maybe that's progress i don't know um what i'm hoping to achieve for myself and with vanessa and with uh the people i get to work with is breaking the cycle so i know it's possible I know it's possible because I'm doing it right now, but I also know it's possible because there are other cycles that are are broken. You see it all the time. There are cycles of physical abuse that are broken all the time, right? Like how many um, parents right now who would never, ever in a million years lay a hand on their significant other or their child but got the shit kicked out of them. Probably a lot. Probably quite a bit. So these cycles can be broken, but you have to be aware of them. And that's what the great thing about that quote is, you know, what we do not know controls us. Um, that's the easy part about that. It's like, you get the shit kicked out of you, you know that's abuse. You know that's trauma. And you know you're never going to do that to your kid. Um, with this stuff, it's like, you don't even know. It's like, you're just, it's, it's your operating system. It's like what you think is just the way everybody is, and you're normal. And um, I'm I'm refining it as I learn it, and it's it's definitely was in this book, but I'm trying to even get it even more concise and more complete in a shorter amount of time. And it's basically I'm going to keep refining it here, but it's generally something like this that. We all have trauma. We all have a very specific trauma or set of traumas that occurred that we witnessed as we as we saw our parents. And it's usually a fight. It's generally like a, it could be a series of fights, but it's it's usually like one particular snapshot we have, and we can tell the whole story about it. It's like we're there, and. In that moment, we have to go there. We have to be willing to go there. And most people are actually willing to go there. 
there is a need that we as a three-year-old or four-year-old, we have a need in that moment that's not being met. And if we can identify what that need is, then (laughs) if we can identify what that need is in that moment as a child that was not being met, then we can see what it is that we're looking for in a partner. Or we can see the major dysfunction that arises in us in our partnerships. So I'll just use the example as if you were like me and you wanted to help your mother in this in the in the fight scene, you are looking for someone to help. <laughs> real simple. Real simple. Um but the way that manifests uh is not healthy. Right? Because you're you're not supposed to your significant other is not someone you're that you're supposed to help. <laughs> That's not gonna be a long term relationship. Uh there'll be all kinds of resentment that builds up for that and this perpetual cycle of need and resentment and pushing away and then loss. Uh that's just one example. But that's a common one, and it's also the one that Neil describes in his book. So, the check-in list that I wrote down, I just wrote it down because I, I do a check-in. I do a check-in, but I do it a little bit differently. But I like this one because it, uh, it lists the, the emotions, and it only lists, I think, eight of them. And I guess you're only you're only in one of these eight places, and that's what you check in and with uh, joy, pain, love, anger, passion, fear, guilt, and shame. So a lot of negative emotions here. I guess it's joy, love, and passion might be considered positive, but there's definitely more negative emotions here or what would be described as negative emotions. But that's probably true. That's probably true. I mean, how much of your life have you enjoyed? How much of of the time do you spend in joy? How much of of your day do you spend in love, in passion? You know, probably not a lot. Okay, now I'm just writing about notes about myself here, um, which I basically just described. Oh, this is what I wanted to talk about, and then we'll um, button it up. For, well, maybe we'll just finish this page, but Rick Rubin, who is a... Uh, Shiva is a disciple of Rick Rubin, is a main character in this book. He is the, yoga, the, 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 the Yoda to Neil Strauss. He knows exactly where this thing is going. Rick Rubin is a high being genius and he's a music producer and in any any song in like any band or or musician from Adele to Metallica that you've heard of uh in the last forever has been a Rick Rubin. He started with the Beastie Boys and you know he's who knows who he's working with now. He's probably working with hip hop artists now. Um but and everything in between and so he just knows where this whole thing is going. Uh, he's this Malibu guy. He's a total like Yoda figure and father figure to Neil. 
But he lets Neil figure it out for himself because he knows that that's really the only way we learn. And so, uh, but he's like the, um, he's just telling him like it is. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you're going to waste a lot of time, but you got to do it because you got to learn for yourself. Um, Father Yod, this is a great name, Father Yod. Now, here's a good model here. So Father Yod was some counterculture figure in, in L.A. who had, I think, 12 wives <laughs> and uh, like a David Koresh situation. And that seemed to work, right? Because it was, there was no, the women were not allowed to do anything, <laughs> right? So I guess it worked for them in some way. Um, but did it really work for him because Father Yod ended up jumping off a cliff with a hang glider? Now, now it, it was ruled an accident, but really was it if, if uh, you know, he, he was dealing with, you know, 12 women? Uh, you know, it's, it's thought that Father Yod might have just taken the easy way out at that point rather than having to uh, deal with 12 wives. But for for a period of time, it worked. And, and the women seemed to – every woman that – was interviewed about the relationship after uh, the fact had didn't have anything bad to say about it, um, and that's also what we saw in the great great Netflix, one of the best Netflix uh, series ever, the Waco series with David Koresh. Um, that is interesting because Neil didn't ever really do that he it might have happened um organically but he did not want to and rightfully so he didn't want to be in that patriarchal kind of relationship but those are the ones that seem to have function in them and everything else he tried was massively dysfunctional uh the cool part the only cool part, the only part that I said, okay, I can see where there would be a tremendous amount of value there is as a man getting over the jealousy if like of you having a woman that's your partner and then she's having sex with another guy. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's screwed up, but like this is what Corey Haim said to Neil Strauss was that that's the big that's an interesting one because you get to really come up against your jealousy which is a weak emotion jealousy is a very very weak emotion natural for men but super weak and so you get to work with that that of of all the the psychological or emotional components experiments in this whole book 400 pages seem the only one to me that seems somewhat valid but a great point made by uh, one of the main woman characters this woman sage who was neil's gonna be neil's like partner in this thing and the one that ended up being neil's almost life partner outside of his real life partner she said the, the truest thing one of the truest lines in the book is that when she was introduced to this lifestyle, she would say, I would disrespect a man who let me be with another man. 
True. Uncomfortable truth. So, so much for that jealousy game. Okay, these are a lot of notes about myself. So I think we'll leave it with Father Yod and David Koresh and Rick Rubin. And then we will pick this up tomorrow. If I can edit this properly, we'll, uh, this will be a good one. And we will talk to you maybe at some point this weekend. Destroyer, um, thank you all for being here. This is Sensei America. This is the Superior Living Sensei podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Good night.